Hi, it's Tony. On today's show, we'll get football picks from Chuck Todd and Reginald the Monkey. And we'll talk college and pro football with Booger McFarland. But first, as you know, commerce. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Previously on the Tony Kornheiser Show. I will now confess this. You know me very well. Uh, You know my emotional makeup. I had to stop. 30 pages in. I cried on every page. I did. I mean, that's because of my particular DNA and how it affected me. But I had to stop because I was crying. Has anybody else given you that sort of reaction as said, this got to me more than I have ever imagined? Yeah, usually they tend to finish the book. (laughs) (laughs) I went to the end. I know how it ends. It's okay. This is General George Washington, and you're listening to the Tony Kornheiser Show. What a delight it was to have Mitch Album on the show. Yes. Just a complete delight. I love him. Admire him. Love him. Known him a long time. Uh, the name of the book is The Little Liar. Go get it. Mitch's books read easily. I mean, they they really are linear. They, they, they're, he's very, very, very good. We had a, an email... I'll get to the open of the show in a second, but we had an email the other day from someone who talked about a second shot. Yes, they were on the uh, congressional a second shot. Yeah, investigation committee in the seventies. I, I was yeah, unaware the- of this. I don't know where I've been, but I was unaware. <laughs> anyway, from uh, Jim in Silver Spring. Well, we'll get to his. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jim in Silver Spring, longtime listener to the podcast and radio show in all its various iterations. I called a few times back in the old days, but have never emailed before because I never felt that anything smart to add. But since you read the email regarding the finding of the House Select Committee on Assassinations, I was impelled to respond. The email correctly summarized the 1978 conclusion of the HSCA that there were four shots and two shooters based on analysis of an audio tape recording. However, that finding has been widely, repeatedly, and thoroughly debunked by the National Academy of Sciences in 1982 and by Court TV in 2003, among others. Even Professor Larry Sabato, who remains open to the possibility of a JFK conspiracy, commissioned an investigation of the audio tape recording, which refuted every element of the contentions in that report. My reason for writing this, and not to start a back and forth or to question the integrity of the previous email writer, rather it is to highlight the asymmetric nature of the controversy, which explains in part why there is such widespread disbelief in the probable truth that Oswald acted alone. Seemingly plausible accounts or findings that purport to undermine the Warren Commission report are given wide circulation, but the detailed investigation and reporting that invariably breaks down and exposes these proofs is much less well-known. That, I think, is generally true for a lot of things. Yes. I just didn't know about it at all. Right. Not at all. It's a little late in the game for me (laughs) on that. It really is. Uh, From... Larry Sanders, and I assume not that Larry Sanders. Don't know if you'll continue reading any emails regarding the JFK assassination, but I have a bittersweet story regarding memorializing that event. Several years ago, I was in my first year of teaching high school history to 10th graders in Belleville, New Jersey. I'd retired from a career in banking and was just beginning a second career doing what I was meant to do. It was September 11, 2007, and I began by asking my 10th graders, how much they remembered from September 11, 2001. Not surprisingly, almost all of my class eagerly raised their hands and offered their memories of that day. Their memories were crystal clear. I then told them that this event for them is known as a light bulb moment, that the memory will be forever seared onto their 
memory and that this was the first collective light bulb moment of their generation. Then I asked them if they could identify my first light bulb moment. I was born in 1955. Hands quickly again shot up. I called on one student and he confidently said, the Civil War? (laughs) It took the class another four or five guesses before someone hit on John Kennedy. I use the word bittersweet because while Civil War was a humorous response, it also showed how much work needs to be done to really teach history effectively. It's a lovely email. So to begin the show, first of all, um, we are in the last day or so of the big, bright, bone-white full moon. Which has been beautiful for four or five days. It was days. stunning last night. I was, yeah, I was out in the just yeah. beautiful. Yeah. At least it is where, where we live, because there were no clouds three days in a row. Just beautiful. Did the boys get to see the moon? The boys have been checking it out for the last couple nights, but ever since the Hammer's fateful phone call with you, where he's huddled up in my arms with a blanket, talking to you about how beautiful and amazing the moon is, and you thought he was talking about the end of the football game. Yes, I did. I, you know, I still have difficulty making out his words. I mean, I can't hear it all. But I have difficulty making out his words because they all seem to be in the same sort of register. But he should feel good. He should just say, Grandpa's an idiot, but he gave us the moon. He told us <laughs> to see the moon. So we owe him for that. Um, sports. And I, I, we'll get to this with Booger, I'm sure, because we're going to do pro and college with Booger. But I watched. I like that reveal show. I really like the yeah. ESPN show when they do the rankings. And I like it because they get to the rankings very, very quickly. They don't hold it out for dramatic effect. They give you 25 through 20 and 19 through 15 and 14 through 10 and 9 through 6, 9 through 7. And then they, you know, they, they, they rattle it out. It's good. I mean, because then they want to spend time talking about it. It's not like this... It's not the masked singer. It doesn't come at the end of the show. Yeah, they don't need a That's big reveal. Fine. That's fine. But right. this is different because you want to talk about it. And I was concerned with one thing in particular, and I was concerned with how far Ohio State would slip. So Ohio State is now a one-loss team. For three or four weeks in a row, the one-loss teams bunched at either 5, 6, 7, or 6, 7, 8, whatever they were bunched at, were Oregon Texas, Alabama, and they were, I think, always in that order, certainly the last few weeks. Oregon, Texas, Alabama. Texas over Alabama because Texas beat Alabama head-to-head in Alabama. And Oregon because there's, there's this notion that there's a boomlet about Oregon. Oregon is favored by nine and a half points over Washington yeah. in a neutral site Pac-12 championship in Las Vegas. Washington beat Oregon earlier this year. So I wondered if if Oregon might even move up ahead of Florida State since there is this boomlet about Oregon. That did not happen. Florida State was four. It was Georgia, Michigan, uh, Washington, Florida State. Those are the four unbeaten teams. And they appear headed for the tournament if they win out. If they win out. What is chaos here? Chaos is only one thing. Only one thing. Alabama beats Georgia in the SEC championship. And everyone would say, oh, then Georgia's out. I don't think Georgia's out. I think the committee is going to sit. You know, they sit for hours. They talk for hours. These are football people. They're not 20 years old. They're people who've been around college football for decades. Somebody is going to say the following sentence. We can't get Georgia out of this. Georgia won two straight years and was undefeated going into this game. Georgia deserves a chance to defend its national championship. And I think they'll put Georgia in. If Michigan beats Iowa, Michigan is going in. I believe that whoever wins the Pac-12 game in the last year of the Pac-12, because this is also going to be said... Hey, it's the last year of this conference. Let's give them a good going out present. They didn't want to break up like this. It happened because the leadership was bad. The schools weren't bad. Let's make sure that Washington or Oregon is in this. And then the loser is Florida State. 13-0 and even. The loser is Florida State. One of the things that hurts Florida State is Louisville lost. They're now a two-loss team. So if you beat them in the ACC championship... It doesn't give you a bump. They're a two-loss team. So what? 
You know, it doesn't. It, it's like beating Ole Miss. Okay, it's a nice win, but you know, LSU a nice win, but it's a two-loss team. So that is chaos. Alabama is the agent of chaos in this. Yeah. Right. And they, and, Alabama. And don't we all think there's a very good chance they could beat Georgia? Of course. <laughs> this is, this is Alabama. Yeah. They've won five of these things. And then you think if Auburn had just Burnt been down. able to That's do right. some, something, so, something productive to so what, stop them in that last right. play. So if you're sitting in that room and you've spent decades watching college football, you're thinking this and waiting for someone to say the following sentence. The magic's back with them, isn't it? Isn't it? <laughs> yes. Because look how they won that game. But honestly, it's too much magic. Ma- <laughs> too much. Too much magic. <laughs> so I really, I honestly believe, and I'm sitting here on a Wednesday saying this. I don't know how I'll feel on Friday or Saturday or Sunday. I guess the next reveal is Sunday. I guess the final one is Sunday. Yeah. But I think if Alabama beats Georgia, Georgia stays in. They've won like 30 straight games. They've won two straight national championships. They got to a conference final. I don't think you can boot them. It was- I know Wilbon. Wilbon just says this is just junk. <laughs> this is just junk. Because yes. Wilbon thinks that everything is just junk except for the NBA. <laughs> but this is not just junk. This is very interesting. I, I, I fully believe that the sentiment in that room will be to keep Georgia if they lose to Alabama. Oh, sure. Don't you? And this is why you put the rankings at the top because it just it leads to nothing but discussion. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. Anyway, do you, is there a and I just say this because I'm partial to this team. Is Ohio there a, State. is is there a way they get in? I was looking at it last yeah, night. Yeah, if a bunch of teams lose, if Michigan loses to Iowa, if Michigan loses to Iowa and Florida State loses, loses then outright to Louisville, then they've got a shot. Yeah. Don't think anyone wants to see I think them the Pats well, I was surprised that Ohio State only fell to 6. Yeah, I was too. I thought they'd fall to 8. I did. I thought it'd be Oregon, Texas, Alabama, Ohio State, yeah. and they only fell to six, which indicates that the people in that committee think that's a pretty good loss, and let's keep them alive. Right. Let's work on a way that they could get in. Right. It, it depends on how, how far forward you're thinking with these, because it seems like those drops, if you look at some of the earlier ones, like where you position a Texas or an Alabama ends up becoming very important as you get to these final weeks. Yeah. And you could never really put Alabama ahead of Texas. You couldn't. Right, Texas they beat them in that. Alabama. Yeah. Yeah. It has to count for something. <laughs> it should. All right. Uh, we'll take a break. Chuck Todd will be picking games when we return. I'm Tony Kornheiser. At Alma, we know the connection between you and your therapist matters. But if you're already feeling stressed and burnt out, the idea of trying to find a therapist you really connect with can be overwhelming. That's why Alma's focused on helping you find the right therapist for you. When you browse their online directory, you can filter your search based on the qualities that are most important to you. Then you can book a free 15-minute consultation call with any therapist you're interested in seeing. So you can get a feel for whether they're the right fit before you commit to a full-length session. Alma also makes it easy for mental health care providers to navigate insurance. That's why 95% of therapists in their directory accept insurance for sessions. So you can find care that's affordable without stressing about the paperwork. You want to talk to someone, but not just anyone. Alma is there to help you find the right fit. Visit helloalma.com therapy60 to schedule a free consultation today. That's helloalma.com therapy60. You're listening. You're listening. To the Tony Kornheiser Show. This is sent to us by Brian Kenneth Swain. He says, you've been good enough to use a few of my songs on past shows. I thought I would share a couple more. This is called In the Shadow by Brian Kenneth Swain. Again, you can listen to all these things in their entirety when the show is over. Probably go to it now. It's probably better than the show. Anyway, plays in Chuck Todd. And then we have an intro for Chuck Todd. This week's picks with Chuck Todd and Reginald the Monkey, are brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. Make every moment more. Chuck won last week. Chuck has won almost every... Now he loses... Do you know what your record is with the Washington team? It's got to be something <laughs> oh, like 2-9, and nine, worse, right? It's, it's worse than the Washington team's record. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, you lost with that again. You tried to yeah. be counterintuitive, you know, and I you... I did. I did. It would, by the way... Uh, doesn't it? Does it bother you? I know why you. I think you do it for the same reason I do. I have to hesitate a minute before I say the Washington 
football team. Yes, yes. I always have to think, what name am I going to use? I hate the name Commanders. I can't so use I. the original Awful. name. Awful. So yes. I, I pause no, all change. the time. I mean, are we? by the way, you haven't been on this in a while, but we got to change the name, right? I assume so. I but mean, I assume. I, I will just do this very, very briefly. Um, if I owned the Washington football team now, if I was one of the new owners, I would not fire Ron Rivera at all. Not this season. No, I would not want to be compared to the previous owner. I would not do it. I'd eat it Mm -hmm. on the whole season, and then I'd fire every single person who worked there, you know, from broadcast to to general manager. You know what? I really would, unless I would interview them and decide that they should stay. But I would probably sweep pretty clean, and I would you know, rebuild the team. But I would not. Do you agree with that? I wouldn't fire him. Well, not, not, not now. at the end of the season. Yes. Yeah, you mean you would fire him at the end of the season? Yes, now. certainly. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'd clean it out. Yeah. I don't quite get the Del Rio decision. You're like, what? Yeah, Why that now? was apparently Rivera, I guess. I, I, right. I don't know. I don't get that because people have been – there were a lot of reasons to fire him the last couple of years, and you choose this week? Yeah, just – no, I yeah. agree with that. Anyway, yeah. you were four and three. You are leading by a goodly sum all the people and animals <laughs> that pick. You're 48, yeah. 34, and two. People are making money with you left and right. Are you ready for the slate now? Uh, let, let's roll. Okay. Let's, let's see if we can do It's time for the second half swim. So okay. <laughs> so the first game we're giving you is the Thursday night game, tomorrow night game. Seattle. Plus nine. That's a lot of points for a winning team. Plus nine at Dallas. I I will just say this, which I'm sure you know. Dallas has the largest point differential in the entire league, and it is built on beating teams that do not have winning records. They have no victories against teams with winning records because their schedule has been super soft to this point. Seattle plus nine. That's a lot, but it's in Dallas. It's in Dallas. Who you got? Are you aware of what Seattle's record is? Aren't they a winning team? Six and five? Yeah, they're a winning team. Right. Yeah. So if they beat them, did they beat a winning team? Or they're a five? Well, no, team? they're a 500 I'm, team. Right. Yeah. And, and the Jets, you know, they beat the Jets when the Jets were 1-0. That was and, a winning team. Yeah. I, you know, I, I never know what to make of this, right? It, because when, when is somebody, when is it a, a winning team and when isn't a winning team? I'll give you another example. Ohio State. That Notre Dame win when they beat them was a big deal. Yep. Notre Dame was ranked in the top five. Did they beat a top five team this year or not? Well, no, because you, you take the rankings where they are now. You, right. You, you so get progressive time, with I, you it. See, you get my point yep. here at Dallas. Yep. So anyway, the point is, I think Dallas is going to roll because Seattle's not a winning team. Seattle is probably going to have a losing record in three weeks. Okay. Yeah. Dallas is at home, and it's Thursday, and... Well, they both, they both have a week rest. They That's both right. played on Thanksgiving Day. a normal Day. rest. Yeah, so they have normal rest. rest. All right. Detroit is at New Orleans. I, I don't think much in New Orleans. Detroit is minus four, but I'm going to point something out. Detroit's last three weeks, they were lucky to win two games in a row, and then they got beat by Green Bay, a team that is not in their league, in their division, but not in their league. <laughs> and Detroit is minus four. Detroit is not on a heater at the moment, kids. Who are you taking in this one? Boy, Ford's an interesting number there. Seattle, uh, Seattle. New Orleans has a way of – they stay in every game and find a way to lose. Yeah. Right? Like that seems to be their M.O. Um, and every time you see him, Derek Carr completes – he does great between the 20s. And then he's in the red zone, and it's, it's – uh, he doesn't seem to know how to get in the end zone. This is a Detroit has to win, right? Yes. Like this is, this yes. is one they need to roll – I think four is a large number, but I, I don't. I don't trust. I don't want to be on New Orleans. Okay, so Detroit. Detroit. Denver is at Houston. Houston is essentially the surprise of the league. It really is. C.J. Stroud is going to be Rookie of the Year. D'Amico Ryan's has to be Coach of the Year. But Denver is the surprise of the last six weeks. Denver has turned it around. Sean Payton has proven that he's a great coach. Russell Wilson, I think in the last six games, has no interceptions. None. He was terrible last year. He's much, much better now. 
I am surprised Denver's getting three and a half. <laughs> I just, I, I think that's a lot. What do you think? Three and a half scares me. That that hook is a big scary hook there, and um, it is still Sean. It is still a rookie quarterback in Sean Payton. It that's is still, right. And it, it is an improving team. Oh man, this is. I, I love. I've been riding Houston, but it almost feels like this too high price. Of, it's too high of a price to pay on Houston right now. I, I uh, I'm going to let you influence me on this one. Give me the Sean Paytons and the and that hook. It's a very interesting game. It's just just I, I agree. Really it's an a, interesting probably, game. It's a huge playoff game. Uh, it's sort of an unofficial playoff game. It is Denver. If they win, I think they they move they ahead. Suddenly, they look like a. A, a, an inside track in the seventh seed, Houston. I think the division's done right now that they lost to Jacksonville. Yes, yeah. So I never thought I would say play. this. They started out zero and three and one and five, and now they look like a playoff team. It's they are remarkable to to me. To me, Tony, this is an these NFL seasons. You know, I know they only added one game, but doesn't it feel long? It's like we really do have chapters now to the season. Yeah, chapter one for Denver was one thing, right? Chapter yeah. one for San Francisco, you know, and you go through these little, you know, by the end, and Cincinnati was the best team for three weeks, and then Burrow gets hurt, right? Like it is, it does feel like this season has more chapters to it. I, I agree. It. 17 yeah. is a big difference from 16 to me. Miami is at Washington. Washington stinks, okay? Miami is a very explosive team sometimes. And sometimes they're not. Uh, you get this wrong all the time, so I don't know what to say to you. I you love either. Miami, I, but you got to give nine and a half. That's a ton of points. This is there's no way they cover this the nine and a half, right? This is a, a right. this is a backdoor cover if I've ever seen one. And I'm I guess you know all these other teams. You fire some coach, a coordinator, and it and it does seem to fire up a team for a week. Right, Pittsburgh had the best offensive output. That's right, Buffalo. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, all right, I'm gonna I'm gonna play that angle. With Take the Washington. All right. Sure. Okay. Try that. Try that rationale. <laughs> Good luck, Reginald. Yeah. <laughs> Cleveland. This one. Cleveland is at the Rams. The Rams have won a couple of games lately. Cleveland is down to a third string quarterback at this point because uh, Dorian Thompson Robinson was concussed. So I guess they got P.J. Walker now. They don't score many points. They don't give up many points either, but Cleveland's getting three and a half at the Rams. This is one of the lines Nigel sent me this morning that's moved dramatically. Yeah, I think it was five when I first gave it to you, right? Yeah. Yeah, a point and a half. Wow. That's a big move for a third string. I guess they – do they think DTR is going to play? Maybe he will, but he had a a full concussion – Right, and and I and by know. the way, who died and made him Tom Brady? Right, <laughs> he's in his second start. Let's not go nuts. He's not. Well, you know, it's not about the Almighty; it's about the alternative, as Joe Biden likes to say. Right. It, compared to PJ Walker, he might be Tom Brady. Okay. So, um, I guess I'm going to go with the Browns. Hey, isn't this a rematch of former Cleveland teams? Weren't the Rams? Uh, in, in the Cleveland. in the earliest days of football, yeah. there were the Cleveland Rams. Yes. Yeah, the the very very early days. Yeah. Um, put that in the historical peace pipe and smoke it. Give me the uh, <laughs> give me the Browns. Take cover. the Browns three and a half. Yeah. Best game of the week: San Francisco at Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. Philadelphia in successive games: Kansas City, Buffalo, San Francisco. It's at Philly, just as last week's game was at Philly, which was a great game. The Monday night game got the biggest number in 25 years on Monday night. San Francisco, this this is a preview of the conference championship. Nobody would disagree with that. I'm looking at San Francisco minus three and asking myself, why is San Francisco (laughs) favored when Philadelphia has done what it has done? All right. It, this is one of those games where you, I, there's no way you can put money in Philadelphia for a variety of reasons, right? Number one, the rematch, uh huh, right? Brock Purdy got hurt, right, in the first, you know, ten first, minutes yes. of that game, yes, you know, and we saw what did Philly do in their rematch with the Chiefs, right? That means something. You just went, <laughs> <laughs> excuse 
excuse me. All excuse right. me. I had a little uh, uh, lock and fora. Yeah, uh, <laughs> fantastic. Um, so, uh, and then uh, you have the, that schedule, which has been a brutal schedule. Mean, yes. I don't care. You've you got to prepare for all these teams, right? It's been Dallas. Is it? Correct me if I'm wrong. Dallas, Kansas City, Buffalo, back to back to back? For Philadelphia. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Yeah. That, that's the last three, then this. Yeah. I mean, I you know this this uh, number opened at two and a half and it went up. I think it got up to three and a half, and I think it's back to three. But there are all these reasons why. And oh, by the way, Philly doesn't they have a two game lead? I think on on San Francisco for the for the number one overall seed. Like they don't need to win this. That's right. And they're still the number one overall seed. So I think that is why that line is where it is. Right. All the incentives are with San Francisco. And there's actually very few incentives on, on the Philly part. So I'm just explaining, I think, why the line is what okay. it is. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'd be petrified to be at Philly this week myself. So I'm, I'm, give me San Francisco. Okay. One more game, Kansas City, whose offense is shaky, but they finally scored some points in the second half last week. They're at Green Bay. This is the Monday night game. I know Green Bay beat Detroit. I, just... I want to get excited about it. My son and I, I refuse to accept the notion that Green Bay has a chance to play themselves back into this thing. Yeah, maybe they but do. They thump, maybe Jordan loves game, better than I think. Maybe he is. Right. If huh? they win this game, like, I, for me, this is a, all right, I don't, I don't, beating Detroit, it's a divisional game. It's like even the Commanders beat the Eagles last year, right? Like, that doesn't count. Um. They win a game like this, you know, then you have to start asking yourself, well, maybe this thing's clicking in. And I don't know if you've seen the comparisons that have been running around, but where Jordan Love threw his first 11 games, Aaron Rodgers threw his first 11 games, the, the data is almost identical. Okay. I mean, it's, it's spooky how, how close it is. So I'm still a skeptic, but, boy, they, they, play, they did play well last week. Against like, it Detroit. Wasn't a, they did. That wasn't a fluke game that they won it wasn't one of those like Detroit just you know fell threw up on themselves so um what's the line again six and a half oh my god see that's too much Green Bay's not that bad give me give me Green Bay in the points it's it's a hard pick I'll admit that but that's a lot of points in Lambeau and it should be cold I mean I'm cold here yeah and you know I imagine it's gonna be a lot colder in Lambeau yeah well you're 48 34 and two you've had a great year so far you're having the Carville year, basically, which is because Carville. We not all dream it. of having a Carville year. Yeah, Carville's not <laughs> that guy it. hasn't had a bad year since like since 1991. Yeah, <laughs> you know? that's that's right. 1992, right. he had a great year. Um, had a great year, and he finally changed his underwear. That was always my favorite weird. You ever know that weird uh, Carville superstition he had? Yeah, during a campaign. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there was a lot of weird stuff that he let the public know about when he became famous. You're like. What love, do you him. Do with James? love him, love him, love him. Thank you, Chuck. Goodbye, guys. Chuck Todd. Give you Chuck Todd. That would be enough. But we give you a monkey, and we're going to give you, because Cameron Stevens in Sydney, Australia, requested it. Can we get the Sinatra intro for Reginald this week, please? It's been too long. Nigel's to the zoo. <laughs> Reggie swinging. From the bars. We give you a monkey. Let me see who Reggie likes after Chuck Todd Ma and the Carbs. In other words, <laughs> throw your poo the Vikes fight too. Yeah, he's throwing a quadruple TK salute. Oh, who taught him that? <laughs> Johnny. It is great. That really is fantastic. Just great. Thank you, Kyle. Yes. Just great. Just great. Okay. So I went down to the National Zoo. Uh, Reginald, to... by the way, had a winning week. It's, Two and one. Yeah, hasn't He's been many 14, of those. 14, 21, and one. But he had a winning week. He could still see a path to Mount 500, but it's difficult. He's going to have to have... He's got five more weeks. Yeah, he's going to have to have some undefeated weeks. Yeah. So hopefully this will be the turnaround. Um, 
Now, I went down to the National Zoo. It was a big commotion there, the tree lighting ceremony. I know it's at Rockefeller Center, and there's the White House, I think, is on Thursday. But the National Zoo did theirs last night. Okay. It was a very cold night. Probably kept the crowd from being bigger. Um, and by the way, it's a beautiful tree, four foot tall. They've had, well, four, they've had some well, budget cutbacks. Yeah, okay. So, yeah. Um, lots of celebrities there. I know you like to hear about this. John Beck was the master of ceremonies. Getting better every day. Well, he said, he said, you know, the ceremony wasn't that good when we started out, but every year it gets a little bit better. So, yes. Uh, also, Meryl Streep there, which yeah, was nice sure. to see. And one of the Jonas Brothers, I don't know which one. Could have been Harpo. Could have been Zeppo. Yeah, I'm Zeppo. Not sure. Zeppo Jonas. So, yeah. uh, after the... You know, festivities, uh, he, he sat aside with me for some of these matches. And the first one we gave him was Houston at home giving three and a half to Denver. And uh, Reginald showed me a lovely uh, little video clip of him riding dune buggies with Earl Campbell, Nolan Ryan, and Richard Justice. So he's going Houston. Tells me he's got ties to Houston. He will take uh, the Texans in that. Okay. Now, the next match we gave him was the one that everyone seems to get wrong on this. The Dolphins uh, giving nine and a half uh, against at Washington. And uh, Reginald showed me uh, parasailing with Mark Duper, Mark Clayton, and Jimmy Cephalo driving the boat. Tells me he's going to, he doesn't care about the points. He's going to take the Dolphins. Okay. And the last match we gave him was Philly at home getting three versus San Francisco. And uh, this was a lovely photograph of him shooting pool with Andrew Tony, Michael Jack Schmidt, and Bake McBride. Tells me he's got ties to the city of brotherly love. If Philadelphia. These four games in a row, if they sweep them, I mean, then, then they become, in, in anybody's mind, the prohibitive favorite to win the Super Bowl. Has to be. Uh, I mean, that doesn't mean they win it, but they would be the favorite. The favorite. Yeah. Or as Michael Wilbon would say, don't give me that Vegas junk. <laughs> okay. So we'll take a break. Booger McFarlane will join us when we return. I'm Tony Kornheiser. Oh, this week's picks with Chuck Todd and Reginald the Monkey have been brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. Make every moment more. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This, this is the Tony Kornheiser Show. Tony Kornheiser Show. Once again, this is Brian Kenneth Swain. He first appeared on the show earlier singing In the Shadow. This is called Days Like Today. He's quite good. He's very good, yes. He is quite good. Michael, if people like Brian Kenneth Swain want to send in their original music, which we will feature at the end of the show in full, without talking, how do they do it? Send us your music by emailing it to jingles at tonycornizershow.com. And he plays in Booger McFarlane, and Booger has the ability to talk about both pro and college games which is what he does on PTI on Thursdays, and we're going to ask him about pro and college game. But I'm just going to start with this. I mean, I know, I know the position you played, and I know that defensive guys look at football differently than offensive guys. It's an entire different mindset. Um, but there seemed to me, and maybe I'm wrong, maybe it is just good defense. But boy, there seemed to be a lot of bad teams in the NFL this year and a lot of teams that don't score at all in the NFL this year, and it's probably no coincidence that many of those teams have had to, for one reason or another, replace their quarterbacks. But what is your sense, if, if somebody says what I'm saying, that there's so many bad, low-scoring teams, what do you say to that? Well, I, I think there are a few reasons, Tony. Number one, I, I don't think there are 32 starting quarterbacks in the National Football League. I, I think there are guys that hold those spots. Yeah, there are not 32 capable ones, and that's why certain teams are always looking for that starting quarterback. That's number one. Number two, I think the way the NFL has structured their offseason, 
And with the lack of practice time, the lack of in, uh, physicality and pads, teams aren't able to practice and become good at the fundamentals. Like, think about this. Think about if, if you were tasked at doing a television show, but the only time you came in the studio to turn the cameras on and, to, and for your producer to get behind the board was on the day that you had to record the show. Like, there was no rehearsal. There wasn't much time on task. There right. wasn't um, a lot of time spent getting ready to do the show. You just showed up and said, let's wing it. Not saying that that's what the NFL is doing, but when you limit the practice time, when, when you cut the ability to get in the studio, the product is not going to be as good. Unless you have these superstar quarterbacks like Mahomes and Josh Allen and Hurts and these guys that are going above and beyond. And so I think it's a combination of all that while the offense um, and, and is down and that there are some bad teams that really aren't producing any offense. And oftentimes we equate bad teams with lack of offense. Yeah, although, like, what are of, of the great memorable teams in the history of the game? Certainly the Steelers were up there. Their offense was good, but their defense was superior. The Baltimore Ravens, and I'm not putting them in the Steelers' class, but when they won Super Bowls, they won because of defense. Chicago Bears, which might be the best team ever, right? They got a chance of being the best team ever. Chicago Bears were a defensive team that one year in, was that 84, 85, whatever it was? So, 85. Yeah, so, I mean, you know, I, I mean, I, I, don't, I don't begrudge the defense. I, I think that's fine to hold scores down. But what I'm looking at, it just seems like a lot of drop passes and a lot of really sort of quarterbacks who, on a third down, don't even throw it close to the mark. You know what I mean? Like, they're five yards short. Of course their guy's not going to make it, so... Well, those guys don't want to get hit, Tony. And, and, and if you notice all the teams you named, yeah. none of those teams played in, in the last 15 years. So, like, right. the game has changed. Right. And so the, the game is now more spread, more wide open. It, it's a lot tougher to play defense now uh, as far as stopping people. Now, it, it's, you can play longer, which is one of the things that I think the NFL wanted to do is because they've made the game safer. Like, for a defensive lineman, you can no longer be cut from behind. If that was the case when I was playing, I might still be playing at 45, Tony, because that is a game changer. And so the rules of the game have changed to make the game safer, both by appearance and both by actuality. Makes sense to me. Let me get to Philadelphia. They're in the middle. They're at the end of Kansas City, Buffalo, San Francisco. They have San Francisco in the game that's going to be the biggest draw of the entire weekend. I'm not saying they're going to win all three. But if they win all three... There's no one else you could pick as the number one team for the Super Bowl than Philadelphia, right? Philadelphia is the favorite. I think that as long as Kansas City has number 15, they're going to be right there. Yep. And for once, I want to see San Francisco fully healthy. Yeah. Because a lot of people thought that if San Francisco had a quarterback, not just their starting quarterback, but a quarterback last year, they win that game in Philadelphia. So, I think right now those are the three teams, but you would definitely put Philadelphia number one. And, and here's the reason, Tony. They can beat you a couple different ways. So they can say, you know what, we're going to take the ball out of our quarterback's hands and we're going to run the football. Yeah. Um, we're going to use our offensive line. Our defensive line is six or seven deep. We can rush the passer, and we're going to dominate you that way. But then if you say, you know what, we're going to take the run away, well, guess what they can do now? The quarterback is shown, and he's playing at a high level. They got two outstanding receivers, and A.J. Brown and Devonta Smith, and a tight end in Dallas Goddard, who's going to be back probably in another two, three weeks. They can throw the football down the field. So they can beat you in any move that you want to make as far as a chess game. If, 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 you, want to, if, if you want to move the king, the knight, the bishop, or whatever, they got to counter move to all those. I agree with that. They were so impressive. Look, I, I, I think when you kick a 59-yard field goal to tie a game, there's a certain amount of luck in that. But when they got the ball in the overtime, they were so impressive, didn't you think? They were very impressive. I'm going to disagree with you about the luck on the 59-yard field goal because if you notice, Tony, and I'm going to put this right in your wheelhouse, it was a nice low trajectory power fade. Yeah, yeah. And we all know the fade is a lot easier to control than the hook. Yeah, yeah, you sound just like Romo. Romo was saying, here's where the wind's going, and you, and you got to, yeah, yeah. No, I get it. You're right, you're right. All right, let me get to college. Let me get to college. Um, it's, it's hard to argue with the top four. They are all undefeated. 
It's hard to argue at the moment, but, and if they win out, if they win out, they're all going to get in. And that's because if they win out, that means that Georgia has beaten Alabama. But the chaos starts, Booger, if Alabama beats Georgia. And I wonder, as someone who follows this, not necessarily the chances of that happening, because obviously there are chances of that happening. But to me, if you're on that committee, I don't see how you can get Georgia out of the Final Four when they've won two straight national championships. I don't know how you don't give them a chance to defend. What are your thoughts? Well, here's the thing that I would tell you is that the two straight championships have no bearing on what they're doing this season. And, and I know that sounds crazy uh, because we come up in sports where you got to give a guy an opportunity to defend yeah. his title. You got to knock, you got to knock the champ out and all right. that stuff. But here's a situation where if Alabama beats Georgia, okay, and uh, Florida State wins, Michigan wins, and Oregon uh, beats Washington, Oregon's going to get in. Yeah. And so now what you're going to wind up having is a a uh, Alabama 12 and one SEC champ. And what if Texas wins the Big 12? Now you got a 12 and one Big uh, Big 12 champ in Texas. I, Tony, I, I, as an SEC guy, I'm I'm, I'm going to say something I never thought I'd say. In that scenario, Texas is getting in over Alabama, even though Alabama is the 12 and one SEC champ by way of the the win that they had in September in Tuscaloosa. Okay, let me go back on this because you are an SEC guy. You're an LSU guy, and by far. By far, over the last 15 years, the SEC has proven it is, again, by far the best conference. And it draws big ratings because the people in the SEC tune into these games no matter what. You're going to tell me that if Alabama beats Georgia, there'll be no SEC team in the Final Four? If the scenario breaks the way I just said, meaning Florida State wins in their favor. Right. Michigan is favored by 23. Right. Oregon is favored by nine. Amazing. You know, Washington beat them earlier this season. Amazing. Oregon is favored by nine. Right. In that scenario, Texas is favored uh, over Oklahoma State. So if all the favorites except Alabama win, I still don't think Alabama gets in. Wow. That's a wow for me. I mean, because my pushback would be that Florida State just got devalued because Louisville lost, and they're a two-loss team now. So beating Louisville and even going 13-0, and do you, on the eye test, do you think Florida State is as good as, I'll give you five other teams, do you think they're as good? It's not about, and see, the, the, this is where we've gotten kind of hoodwinked by the committee. Because mm-hmm. they, they always tell us, hey, our job is to pick the four best teams. Well, that's not the case. Their job is to pick the four most deserving because Florida State without Jordan Travis is not one of the four best. Right. Okay, they're, they're just not. But when you go 13-0 and in a Power 5 conference, you're deserving. And so they're going to put Florida State in because they're deserving and not necessarily the best. Now, you may differ or you may not like that, but that's the, that's the fact of the matter. Well, then I would say that for um... – for historical importance, Georgia needs to beat Alabama so they get another shot because you got them both no out, right? No question. If, if there is a way, there is a way, and it, it's really not a far-fetched way, that Georgia, who's won 29 in a row yeah. and two straight championships, if they lose by field goal to Alabama and the things that I laid out to you hold true, I still think that both Georgia and Alabama get left out. And wow. some people would say if it's a travesty. Wow. I would just tell you it's, it, it's, it's because the committee is not going to choose the four best. Like if you told me, Tony, hey, book, who's the four best teams? I'm going to tell you Georgia, Alabama, Michigan, Oregon. Yeah. Those are the four best teams, Tony. No, I, I, I think that's true. So you're not surprised at all. I have to say I'm sort of agape at this. That on a neutral site, uh, Oregon is a nine-point favorite over a team that already beat them this year. I'm pretty amazed at that. Let me explain to you why, Tony. Both of them have seven common opponents. And if, if you just study them all season long, or, uh, Washington's average victory of those seven opponents it's nine, is nine points. Oregon's average margin of victory is 27. Ooh. 
over those same seven <laughs> seven opponents. <laughs> and so pe- people give, you know, you, you, you got to give Washington credit for winning the game. But let's not forget the game was at home in Seattle. Dan Lanning went for it on fourth down a couple of times instead of taking the points in the field goal. That's right. Regardless of all that, Washington won. But I think that people, whether you're in Vegas or, or wherever your book is, they look at that stat with the seven common opponents. They look at the game being in Washington. They look at how close the game was, and Oregon barely lost. And they say if that game is played five times, Oregon wins three or four. And I think that's why they're a nine-point favorite. Okay, so we'll ask you what I'm sure we're going to ask you on PTI tomorrow. Do you think Oregon is going to win that game over Washington? And do you think Georgia is going to beat Alabama? I think Oregon wins. I think Florida State wins. I think Michigan wins and covers. I think Texas wins. I think the Alabama game is interesting because styles always make fights. And it's two teams that are built very similar. The key to the game is going to be Jalen Milrow. Kirby, knowing Kirby, is going to make Alabama throw the football. Right. If Milrow plays the way he played against Texas, Georgia will win. If Milrow plays the way that he played the last two months, I think Alabama's got a puncher's chance, Tony, and here's what I'll say. Remember, remember this fact here, and correct me if I'm wrong. I don't think that Kirby Smart has ever beaten Nick Saban in an SEC championship game. He's beaten him in a national championship game, right? but he's never beaten him in an SEC title game. Can I ask one other thing that I, I was just vehement about the other day? How does Auburn not rush the Alabama passer on the last play? How do they play patty cake with the offensive line? How can you not try and get that kid over the line of scrimmage where he then has to run 31 yards? It, it, it's called being unprepared, Tony. Yes. Um, you know, oftentimes coaches get paid a lot of money to make sure they cover a lot of different situations. And sometimes – Coaches get lazy, and they just don't cover it. I'm sure Auburn never expected to be in that situation, and so the kids weren't prepared. And so now you call a defense that really isn't applicable. Number one, you only rush two. Number, n- number two, you spy a quarterback. Well, guess what? The quarterback doesn't want to run, so why are we spying yes. the quarterback? Yes. So it, it, it was so many little, little nuanced mistakes that Auburn made, and I blame it on coaching, not the kids. I do, too. I, I think it's fireable. I honestly think it's a fireable offense. You were going to win that game. I just Yeah, well, whether or not it's fireable is something that the people in Auburn have to figure out, but it's definitely something that that I would file under coaching malpractice. Wonderful. All right, look forward to talking with you on PTI tomorrow. Thank you so much, Booger. Anytime. Looking forward to it. See you tomorrow, bud. Booger McFarlane, just wonderful. We'll take a break. Email and jingle when we return. I'm Tony Kornheiser. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Check out our new NBA show, Beyond the Arc, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, where you can find me, John Gonzalez, NBA insider Bill Ryder, and Ashley Nicole Moss, five days a week talking all things NBA. Whether you're looking for insightful discussions, upbeat commentary, breaking news, interviews, or coverage of all the biggest stories in the NBA, our new show is the place to be five days a week. Download and follow Beyond the Arc on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your favorite podcasts. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. The Tony Kornheiser Show.
Yeah, it's a minute 40, but it's really worth it. <laughs> it really it's is. Glenn Winters. It's the Fugue jingle. It's brilliant. Yeah. It's absolutely brilliant. It Thank really you for is. That. Bethesda Bagel Lab? Oh, yes. Bethesda Bagels. We love them. Yule as well. Chessie even loves them. Yeah, uh, she does. <laughs> Chessie to, approved. Yes. yes she does. All you need to do is go to BethesdaBagels.com for the location in the D.C. area nearest you, then pop on in, and you will be thrilled. That'll do it for us today. Before we get to the mailbag, let me just say, give me a ticket for an aeroplane. Ain't got time to take a fast train. Lonely days are gone. I'm going home. My baby just wrote me a letter. One minute and 57 seconds of brilliance. The letter by the box top. <laughs> and Alex Chilton, we talked about this yesterday. It was brilliant. like 16. 16 years old. <laughs> Something like that. Thanks to our guests today, Chuck Todd, Booger McFarlane. Thanks to today's sponsors. Remember, you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and Odyssey. If you get the show through Apple, please leave us a review. From Jared Mason Murray, who is an actor, a writer, a video editor. I've watched PTI for years, but only recently tuned into the podcast. I'm baffled by your hatred of Brandy. You're a fine girl. You just begged Mr. Album to write a book about a mindless romance, and you're dissing a song about just that. Girl gets boy, girl loses boy, etc., etc. Make up your mind. Also, leader of the pack should be in the running for the worst ever. I hate that song. Anyhow, I love the show. Tell Mitch I'll check out the book. Now, Leader of the Pack is great. It's a great That's song. That's That's produced by Shadow Morton. <laughs> yeah. right. Leader of the Pack is great. That's Come a on. great song. I understand it's crazy and stupid, <laughs> but it's a great song. It's still a great song. From John Marshall in Durham, North Carolina. <laughs> I just wanted to acknowledge your tribute to the former First Lady and how much I enjoyed your conversation with Mitch on Monday. When I was around 13 or 14, my family took a family vacation out west. As North Carolina residents and Delta customers, we almost always made connections through Atlanta, a huge Delta hub. While boarding our flight in Salt Lake City to Atlanta on a trip home, my brother and I noticed our parents silently mouthing to each other uh, if they were both correct in the identity of an older couple that was sitting in first class. Before the flight took off, their suspicions were confirmed that the couple was none other than former President and First Lady Carter. Before our flight took off, President Carter walked down the aisle of the plane, shook every person's hand. This gesture has always stayed with me and showed the kindness that they had. It also gave me the honor to be able to say that I once shook the hand of the man who was president when I was born. In regards to your conversation with Mitch, it also evoked childhood memories. I've watched PTI since day one. And the reason I've always loved that show is because I grew up watching you, Will Bond, Mitch, Bob Ryan, and others on the sports reporters with Dick Schaap. It makes me happy to know that my perception that you were friends was correct. Thank you for all the years of entertainment. That's lovely. Thank you, John. Uh, from Bill Gentry at Wake Forest University, listening to the pod on my jog, I heard the perfect Dan Jenkins-esque book endorsement from Mitch Albom's book, The Little Liar. Kornheiser wet. Hoda wet. Thanks for all you do. Can I be the official director of learning and development for the Tony Kornheiser show? Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. And Dan, of course, is Jesus wet. We're not quite in that category, but I appreciate the reference. Uh, from Charles Warren, Fort Smith, Arkansas. Friends call him Charlie. I'm the oldest of three sons. Many, many years ago, we were nine, seven, and one. I offer this advice to parents of boys that are six, four, and one. Six and four will always fight as they grow up. Unless four outgrows six, six will win most of the, will win most of the time. And this provides good balance and maintains order. Four will want to pick on one as he grows up. Six will provide safety to one. Acting like picking fights on little kids is now wrong. Six gets first choice. Six is trial and error. Four is ignored. Go get portraits of four by himself to prove he is loved. One will be spoiled. One gets years as the only child when six and four leave the nest. Six, four, and one will invent games of skill that will break many things in the house. Yep. Let them play. Six, four, and one will cherish every moment with grandpa no matter how little effort you make. Not everyone has a grandpa. Believe it or not, six, four, and one will grow up to work together in harmony to care for their parents as they age. The differences will be diversification of skills needed to be there physically, financially, and emotionally when it's time to move to assisted living or a nursing home. I am in awe of my younger brothers, and I feel their respect for me even though I talk nonstop about an old orange man and try to get him to name me the official school business official of the Tony Kornheiser Show. Lovely email from Walter in Arlington, Virginia. I'm the father of two boys, six and four. I'm the third of three boys, and I thank my parents daily for having the strength to have a third. Even with just two, I can relate to your stories of Thanksgiving and thought I would offer my own. My boys are constantly wrestling with each other. They start wrestling on Thanksgiving, started wrestling on Thanksgiving, I looked into the living room and yelled, take your shirts off. I attempted to return to the conversation, but the woman to whom I'm related by marriage and her parents were staring at me as if I was some kind of barbarian. I responded, hey, I'm going broke buying their new shirts because they are constantly hanging on each other's collars and now they're about to do it to their Sunday best. 
after a pensive moment, my father-in-law said, yeah, that makes sense. And we went <laughs> on with our holiday information for life. Oh, From great. Joe Pearson in Indianapolis. Protect Maybe Chessie ate the, the hamburgers <laughs> because she thought they were little Frisbees. It's not a new behavior. She's got priors. Uh, from Gary Priors. Robinson. Where's Gary? From Memphis, Tennessee. Long distance information. Give me Memphis, Tennessee. <laughs> it was 1984 and the birthday for the woman to whom I'm related by marriage. I had ordered a chocolate sheet cake with white frosting decorated with an illustration of a teacher at a blackboard. I was working at the time as a sports reporter. No, not those sports reporters. At the Albany Herald in Georgia. And on her birthday, I was returning from covering the Falcons the night before in a Monday night football loss to the Rams that helped lead to a 4-12 record that wasn't the worst, but only by one game in the NFC. I stopped as I got back into town at the bakery to pick up the cake, which was housed in a long white box. Bringing the cake home, I showed it to her and our then only child, a masculine child who was four, and left it in the box on the dining room table. We happily left to go eat dinner out. Arriving home afterwards, they went into the house and I stayed outside to chat with a neighbor. Suddenly out the door burst the masculine child, trying to talk and cry hysterically simultaneously, BJ cake, BJ cake. We walked back in to see the cake box on one of our dining room chairs, apparently pushed to the chair by our cat. (laughs) Our dog, a 90-pound lab, great Pyrenees mix named BJ, had burrowed her way into the side of the box when it landed on the chair and had devoured $11.50 worth of a $12 cake, leaving only the far edge, which was a bridge too far for her nose to reach. Chocolate in large quantities can kill a dog, but not this dog, who just belched joyfully and went on about her business. And to add to the worst pop song discussion, one Saturday night at the commercial appeal sports desk the discussion of worst song of all time was in full swing i listened a bit from my office and then came out and said billy don't be a hero game over heads nodded fingers typed headlines deadlines were met if you're frosting your cake tonight do use white if you're out on your bike tonight do wear white yeah here's the thing we're not the wonders right now we're captain geach and the shrimp shack shooters Sings to himself a quiet refrain 
as the last of the day fades away. He looks around in wonder at the world in which he lives and offers thanks for all that he's been given. Days when I wake 
wake up and turn to see your face there's a smile that reveals a simple grace simple grace simple grace